birthing and the background of the building of the church of Philippi. We spent many Sundays in the morning preaching from the book of Philippians. And so we thought we would take a few Wednesdays and look at the background of that church. Many times we see the finished product, but we fail to see the price that was paid, the sacrifices given to establish those works. And we live in a culture where things, we want things fast. We like instant this and instant that. And what happens a lot of times, that creates a lot of I give up and people that start and never finish. But how many know that the Bible applauds finishers? Can you say amen? Jesus said, I finished the work you sent me to do. And Paul said, I fought the good fight. I finished the race, you see. Finished, finished, finished. Nehemiah finished the work that had been. And so, if we're going to be finishers, it's going to demand of us the endurance of faith. It's going to demand of us that we are not easy to quit, but we have a tenacity in our lives. Dreams are cheap. Um, write out your little doohickey. That's all, that's all. Mostly nonsense. Because what really matters is the tenacity to see it through until it's done. Amen. If you would, Acts 16. And look at you would at verses, um, oh, verse 25. Verse 25. Now, you remember the story. Paul and Silas are beaten. They were falsely arrested. They were put in the stocks. They were laughed at, mocked, severely flogged. The jailer puts them in the deepest part of the prison. But the Bible says about midnight, about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the other prisoners were listening. And suddenly there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. And at once all the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. And the jailer woke and when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself as he thought the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted, don't harm yourself, we're all here. And the jailer called for lights, and he rushed in and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. And then he brought them out and asked, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they replied, Believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved, you and your household. And then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all the others in the household. Well, Paul's right there. Again, the background, what it took to establish this church. Because when God calls us to do something, when God gives us a goal when God gives us a ministry. It will not come without its challenges. It will not come without its resistance. So we need to, number one, know that we're doing the work of God. Amen? You know, when you are in a ship and all of a sudden a storm hits, the first thing you want to recognize is, did God send me? Amen? Because if God didn't send me, I want to bail out and get out of there as soon as I can. But if He sent you, then there's a whole different attitude. And so we're looking at this. Now, we're learning that if Paul doesn't endure the things we're studying, he doesn't pay the price, he doesn't give the sacrifice and the effort that we see here, this church doesn't get built. The letter that we enjoy, Philippians, so much, it never gets written. The revelation we receive from that book, we never get it. And things fail to come to pass when God's servants don't continue on. Things fail to come to pass. We're, we're, we're too quick in saying it must not have been God. Well, maybe it wasn't us going the extra mile to get the job done. Maybe it wasn't us doing what we needed to do to see the will of God come to pass. So we started out, Roman number one, we noticed in the beginning of the story, at times it takes effort to discern the will of God. 
Because when we studied the first few verses, we found out that the great Apostle Paul, he had, a, he had a prayer a few times to find out where God wanted him. He thought he should go this direction, and he meant well, and he had prayed, and he's not a flippant person. Paul was a serious guy, amen? He prayed, and he thought this was God, and he found out the door was closed. God closed the door. Well, he backed up. He said, well, maybe over here is where God wants us. This must be it. God closed the second door. And then finally, as he stepped back and sought God, he got that Macedonian call. He got the, but he, what he taught us, what he taught us is that it takes um, effort to discern the will of God. Even great people like the Apostle Paul, sometimes it doesn't come easy. So um, don't be discouraged if sometimes you struggle. What, should I go here? Should I go there? That's how life is. Even people like Paul didn't always get it so quickly. But let's be humble enough that when we miss it, we can regroup and say, Lord, okay, that wasn't you. Let me just stop here and re- rethink this thing and repray this thing. And then when the time comes, we want to step out. So we need to learn to seek and wait, to be humble enough to be redirected, obedient enough to step out when God said, this is it, this is it. You know, sometimes our human nature, we like to go when God says stop, and we like to stop when God says go. Amen? Our human nature, um, i never forget when Brother Shambach tells the story back um, when, when, when Jack Cole passed away back in the 50s. He was out in Hawaii with A.A. Allen. And when he heard that, he said, oh, God, one of your generals has passed from the scene. Let me go take his place. Let me go. And God spoke to me right there on that beach there in Waikiki. You know, he's out there praying and walking the beach. And God said, son, you're not ready yet. <laughs> he knows how to hurt a man. He goes, what do you mean, Lord? God said, you're not ready yet. I'm ready to go. God said, you're not ready yet. Now, five years went by and things were going good and I got to enjoy it. I was doing the afternoon services and Brother Allen paid all the bills and the crowds came to him and everything was easy. And um, God said, time to go. I said, Lord, I don't want to go. Things are kind of nice now. I mean, I don't got to worry about the offerings. I don't got to worry about my paycheck. All I got to do is show up and the man of God takes care of it. I get a free crowd to preach to. God says, if you don't go, things won't be good. That's our human nature a lot of times, isn't it? We're ready to go when God says wait, and then we get a little bit comfortable, and we don't want to go when God says it's time. Well, we need to learn to seek and wait, be humble enough to be redirected, but obedient enough when God says it's time that we're going to go. But secondly, we learn that even after we discern the will of God like Paul did, and we obey that word, that opposition's a reality. He finally got to where God had sent him, and God opens up Lydia's heart. Then she opens up her home and they actually the church begins and good things are happening. But then a demon-possessed girl begins to hound them and harass them. The enemy will always try to hinder your advancement. He'll try to frustrate you. He'll try to, you know, he'll try to bait you. He'll try to prod you. Amen? Because if you can disqualify yourself, he, don't have to, he doesn't have to do a lot. You understand that? If you can get in the flesh and do something where you disqualify yourself, so a lot of times what he'll just try to do is bait you. I'm just going to bait you. Let's see if I can get that temper going. Let me just see if I can get that, 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 thing, that thing going. And we see that. And so even when you and I are doing the will of God and we're doing exactly what God wants us to do, we will still have to fight that fight of faith. Opposition will be a reality. The enemy will try to discredit, will try to hinder. And then Paul finally, you know the story, when he had enough, he spoke to that spirit and he set that young girl free. The power of God loosed her from that demon possession. And we would have thought, all right, man, after something as wonderful as that, as something so powerful and compassionate as that, revival would break loose. This would be great for the church. But instead, the owners of that slave girl round up everybody. And they arrested Paul and beat him and sent him into prison. 
The enemy doesn't quit after one setback, so get ready for his counterattacks. And that's where we were at last week. But this week, we finish this up. Number four, but if we'll choose to respond in faith, hell might throw the kitchen sink at you, but if you'll make up your mind tonight, I'm going to respond in faith regardless of what happens. I'm going to respond in faith regardless of what I go through. I refuse to lose my song. I refuse to get bitter. I'm going to love Jesus on the mountaintop. I'm going to love Jesus in the valley. I'm going to praise Him in the good times. I'm going to praise... If you'll make up your mind, then even though you'll go through storms like everyone else, God will bring you through. God will turn it around. And God will use the things the enemy meant for evil and He'll use it for His glory if you hang in there. Just hang in there. Just hang in there. So, if you choose to respond in faith, God will fight your battle and God will bring you through. About midnight, Paul and Silas, they're praying and singing hymns. And it's interesting there where it says the other prisoners were listening to him. You know, someone's always listening. Someone is observing you when you are going through that midnight hour. Don't ever forget that. Because remember, when you witness the people in the good season, they just kind of file it away. But when the bad things happen, that's when they're really going to put their eye on you and see if what you say you really believe. And they're different. Amen? And you can read it right there. And it says the other prisoners were listening. Someone's listening to how you respond to the trials of your faith. And they made a wonderful choice. I don't know. I don't know if I would have made that choice. Now, I'm sure I would have, between my groaning, I would have prayed. I would have prayed. I said, Lord, in between my, Lord, this hurts. Lord, this stinks. Lord, I don't know. I don't really, I'm a citizen. They shouldn't treat me like this. I don't know if I would have sang. So Paul sang. And tonight we want to look at some different responses men and women of faith have had through the Scriptures when they're in hard places, and how God turned things around on their behalf. Because what you do in the hard places will determine how God can work through you in the hard places. You see, God will not make the choice for you. But if you'll make the choice, He'll stand by that. And He'll help you there. So, here we go. They make that choice and it makes all the difference. It's not always easy to sing. Suddenly, a violent earthquake shook the prison doors. The doors flew open. The chains fell off. The jailer and his family get saved. And in the end, the church gets credibility. Because at the very end, if you remember the story, the magistrates say, well, they can go now. They can go. And Paul says, hang on. We're Roman citizens. Tell them to come out and escort us out of the city. And in doing that, the magistrates or the officials were putting their seal of approval on the new church instead of it being something. So God was working this thing out. The magistrates and officials escort Paul and Silas. Instead of discrediting the church, they publicly accept the church. And I've got to tell you what, I've studied this so many times since we were kids in Sunday school. This, you know, we'd see the pictures of Paul and Silas. I've studied this for many years before it really grasped me. There's a bigger picture and cause besides me. I've read this a hundred times. And it's always about, well, if I, you know, I act in faith in the midnight hour, God will turn it around for me. It had nothing to do with Paul. God was allowing this to take place that His church would now have the blessing of Rome upon it in Philippi. It's an amazing thing. But I think in our humanness, everything's about us, isn't it? In, in our humanness, it's all about us. You know, a lot of times God's going to bring you through something that nothing to do with you. It had nothing to do with you at all. It might have something to do with that guy that works three spots down from you on the job that's getting ready to give up on life. Amen? It might be you don't even know the kid's a backslider. His daddy was a preacher. And he's a backslider. You don't even know it. And he's watching you. He's watching. You don't even know it. And God lets some junk come your way. It has nothing to do with you. God just wants to shine through someone for someone else's benefit. 
So, so when you go through something, don't always be so quick. How's it going to help me? How's it going to improve me? Ah, forget you. And realize God is looking for someone to shine through. But so he's got others he needs to reach. He's got other things in the earth he's trying to accomplish. Glory be to God forevermore. This great church was birthed as a man was led of the Spirit. We've got to be men and women led of the Spirit. We need to learn how to pause and get the mind of God. We need to be men and women that read that Bible and are led by the principles of the Bible. We cannot just do our own thing and ask Jesus to bless it as if the name of Jesus is a rabbit's foot. We need to learn how to wait on God and get our orders from headquarters and then walk out. This great church was birthed as a man of God was led by the Spirit as he refused to quit when the going got tough. And if you're going to do anything that matters, things will get tough. You can just write that down. You can run from it if you want. You can stand and fight and watch God work something great in you and through you. But he refused to quit when the going got tough. And he stood, they stood their ground. And the Lord gave a great victory. The key when I go through trials, I must choose. I, you must choose. Then God will respond to our choice. But God will not choose for me. You've got to choose. God won't choose for you. But God will honor the choice you make. But you've got to choose. You've got to choose. You want to get saved? You've got to choose. You want to really get serious with God or just play games? God won't choose for you. You choose. But if you'll make that choice, God will bless that choice. And God will work with that choice. We must choose, but God won't choose for us. Now again, there's so many examples of the Bible. Men and women that God gave strength and God honored. And He blessed them when they made the right choice. We, we see in the face of attack, responses of faith like Paul. Paul was praising. Others were praying. Some were standing. Others were continuing. Paul was praising. Go if you would to 1 Thessalonians 5, 16-18. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16-18. It just really, I, I just, I tip my hat that Paul responded that way. Again, I, I believe I would have prayed in between the groaning, in, in between the God give me grace, in between, I, I don't know, but I just don't know if I would have sang. Amen. I just, I don't know. But how many times, we've said this before, many of the greatest psalms that we sing, we bring them to songs, were written in some of David's hardest times. David took the caves of oppression and caves of, of betrayal and he turned them in concert halls of praise. You can read many of the Psalms and if you know what happened, the history of those Psalms, you'll see David's on the run or David's been lied about. But in the midst of it all, he's praising God. In the time you would think, man, I don't feel like praising God. Amen. My own son just betrayed me. King Saul's was lying about me. But in the midst of some of those times, David knew how to praise God in the mid and out. Just like Paul did. There's a praise. There's a praise. Be joyful always or rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Oh, I know the will of God. Well, here's the will of God. Give thanks in all circumstances. It doesn't say give thanks for everything, but in the midst of everything. It doesn't say that I'm not giving God thanks. I'm not praising the Lord for something negative, but I'm certainly going to praise Him in the good times and in the bad. And if I can control my praise, I can control so much more. If I can control my tongue, 
when the things are hard. I, I, can, I can shield myself from being baited in. I can shield myself from the enemy really trying to get me to that place of groaning and complaining. But the Bible says, let's give thanks in all circumstances. For this is God's will for us in Christ Jesus. Let's go to Philippians 4 and 4. Philippians 4 and 4. Again, rejoice in the Lord always. And I'll say it again, rejoice. Things might not always be easy, but we can always rejoice in Jesus. Amen? And this is one of the ways we can respond when things are hard. Again, Paul, all he did is sought God, got the mind of God, and obeyed God. On the way to building this church, he sets a poor girl free that is bound by demon possession. His reward for that, he's arrested unjustly. They had no right to arrest him like that. Both Paul and Silas are Roman citizens. He was not given a hearing. They totally just broke the law. That's why they were so frightened when they found out he was a citizen. But they beat him. They, they, they abused him. And they threw him into the prison, stretching out their legs. And the, Oh, my goodness. And in the midst of that, Paul made a choice to rejoice in the Lord always. This is Philippians that we're reading now. And this is where it took place. Paul didn't just write poetically, did he? Paul lived the life that he wrote about. Paul, Paul didn't just write something. It's easy to write things, isn't it? Like I always said, it's easy to teach on certain things. You could teach on forgiveness. You could have a, a three-part seminar, Greek, Hebrew, and Italian. And you could just, you know, give you outlines and fill in the... Di- oh, man, we can get it deep. How important it is. But when someone calls you ugly, it's a lot harder to forgive than it is to teach forgiveness. Amen. Oh, we rejoice, rejoice, rejoice. But we've got to look at the... Um, we rejoice in the situation. We rejoice through the situation. And God will honor such things. God will stand by your side when you are doing your best to do the will of God. And along the way, there's sometimes there's setbacks, folks. We all go through them. Sometimes we make the mistakes. Sometimes the enemy just hinders us. But it's so important that we do not allow a critical spirit or complaining spirit to get a hold of our tongue. But like Paul, let's worship him. Amen? Let's give him praise. Let's keep that thing going. All right. Secondly, um, not only um, praise, but prayer. Look, if you would, at Isaiah 37 and 21. Because again, here's another time when um, we have to choose our response of faith. And this is a neat story where Hezekiah, the king of, uh, of Judah, they're being attacked by the Assyrians. And the Assyrians had laid waste to every nation that had gotten in their way. And they were cruel people. They, were, they, they, they liked beheading and they liked putting heads on stakes. And they were just a vicious, vicious people. And now they had Jerusalem surrounded. And they were threatening and et cetera, et cetera. And the Bible says, when the king Hezekiah heard the threats of the king of Assyria, he took the threats and brought them to the temple of the Lord. He laid them out before God and he prayed. I'm telling you what, knowing how to pray in the hard times separates the men from the boys. I want to tell you right now, if you're going to make it in this Christian experience, you better know how to pray. Amen? I can remember working um, years ago in in Bible school, going up to a teen challenge um, thing in Rochester, New York. And we'd go there and we would do ministry. And and those guys, they had a motto, if you don't pray, you don't stay. (laughs) If you don't pray, you don't stay. And I'll tell you what, you'll never be what God has called you to be if you don't learn how to pray and seek the face of God. Isaiah, son of Amos, sent a message to Hezekiah. This is what the Lord said. The God of Israel says, God says, because you have prayed to me concerning the king of Assyria. I like it. Because 
I want to underline that. Because you prayed. You didn't have to pray. But you chose to pray. Now, if you didn't pray, things would not work out the way they're going to work out. Something happens when we pray. Things don't happen when we don't pray. Again, God won't make us pray. But man, He'll honor it when we pray. Now, God won't choose for us, but He'll honor. And then we see, go, go right over if you would to um, 2 Chronicles 32 and 20. But here's another thought here. It says, King Hezekiah and the prophet Isaiah, son of Amos, they cried out in prayer to heaven about this. I like that. They meant business. The enemies at the gate got the city surrounded. They're getting ready to starve them out. They're saying, surrender. Your God won't help you. Your God is no good. I conquered all the other gods. And instead of Hezekiah giving into the fear, he sought the face of God. And God said, because, because you chose to seek my face. Because you chose to seek my face. He says, I'm going to deal with this situation. It's a powerful thing. I think one night God sent one angel. This took an angel, one angel. He didn't need a whole slew of them. 185,000 Assyrians dead in a night. Doesn't take God much when he gets up going. Amen. When God decides enough is enough. But if you hadn't prayed, you see, they could have compromised. They could have criticized. They could have complained. But instead they sought the Lord. And real prayer separates the spiritual men from the boys. Things could have ended differently, but for prayer. So we're in a hard place and we are believing God for great things. And hell's throwing the kitchen sink at us. Not only are we going to praise God and rejoice in the Lord always, we're going to seek the face of God. We're going to pray. We're going to be in business with God. But I like that. Hezekiah and Isaiah, they cried out in prayer together. These, the king and the prophet got together and they said, let's pray. Let's cry out to God. Let's get serious uh, about this. Because you choose to pray and seek me, to trust me in your hour of trial, I will answer you. Let's look at one more here. First Chronicles 5, 19 through 20. First Chronicles 5, 19 through 20. And it's the same thought. The importance of prayer. But not just prayer. I mean serious prayer. I mean business prayer. Amen? And I forget calling the prayer line. Pray through yourself sometimes. Sometimes we too quick. You pray for me. Forget it. Pray yourself. Get hold of God and don't let go. Close the door. Turn off the TV and say, Lord, I, my, 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 child's, my child's off the deep end. They need a miracle. Amen? I got a bad report. There's a lump where there shouldn't be a lump. God, I need a miracle. I don't have time to have someone else pray for me. I don't got time to watch Wheel of Fortune for you. I need, a, for, I need God. I need to get along with God and pray this thing through. Am I talking? Am I talking? Huh? No, I mean, we got to be a people of prayer. We gotta be a people of prayer. Then we dare say, God, don't move. You don't pray. No, I'm telling you, it's the worst. It's the worst generation ever for prayerlessness. You know that's right. You know that's right. It's pathetic. We got people been in church 30 years. They can't pray 30 minutes. Can you imagine that? So supposedly walking with God all these years can't spend 30 minutes in the presence of Jehovah. My Lord, that's not good. That's not good. Well, that's not good. They wage war against the Haggai, Jephthah, Nabish, Nobed. What's that next one? Oh, there we go. They were helped in fighting them, and God handled, handed the Haggites and all their allies over to them. Why? Because they cried out to him during the battle. I like that. I like that image. You cried out. None of this, you know. Now lay me down to sleep. I mean, they meant business. The fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Isn't that right? That's in the book, is it not? 
I mean, they're in the middle of the battle. There ain't no time to take a break. We need God to intervene. I don't know what's going on. This is a bad report. The doctor doesn't give a lot of hope. Things aren't looking good in the natural. We've got to change this. How do you change it? Get a hold of God. How do we change it? We get a hold of the one that knows the end from the beginning and can do anything at any time. We cry out to Him during the battle. And He answered their prayers because they trusted in Him. This prayer, sincere prayer, is an expression of our trust in God and our faith in God. And that moves the heart of God. God says, I'll honor that faith. The eyes of the Lord run throughout the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to Him. God says, I'm looking. I'm watching. My eyes. God says, I love faith. You see, there's certain things that are attractive to God and certain things that are repulsive to God. He gives grace to the... But He resists the... See, certain things are repulsive. God pushes away. Other things He finds attractive. Humility. Right? Faith. Great faith. There are certain things that attracts the presence of God. Wow. One of the things that attracts God is when you cry out to God in faith, believing that your God can do it. Your God can turn it around. Your God is greater than whatever you're facing. Your God is greater than every trick of the devil, every lie from the pit of hell. Greater is He that's within you than he that's in the world. Amen? And as you cry out in faith to the living God, He answers. And He's pleased when we trust Him. Pleased when we trust Him. So, so we're, we're facing situations. We're trying to do what God has called us to do. We're pressing on and the enemy tries to hinder and he tries to attack us. And there are times when the response we see in the Bible is they praise. They praise. What a beautiful response and how God honored that and God turned things around. There's other times they, they prayed. They sought the face of God. If my people who are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will heal their land. Oh, I'll move in their midst. There's something special about Seeking God and getting serious about praying. We, we, I'm telling you, we, we, we've, we've allowed this. It's a worldly philosophy that you get in the church. You've got to watch sometimes. I hear Christian people quoting things, and I know they didn't get it from the Bible. Now, they might have got it from a talk show. They, they, they might have got it from the radio. Everything has a reason. Well, yeah. yeah, the reason might be you're backslidden and need to get right with God. A reason, yeah, there's a reason. But you rejected the call of salvation day after day. But you refused the counsel of the Bible and chose to do things your own way. Oh, yeah, there's a reason. But you didn't pray. If you had prayed, God would have said just like He said to the king, because you prayed, I'm going to move in that situation. Because you chose to trust me, I'm going to do something special for you. Hallelujah. Oh, yeah. Hallelujah. Other times we have to learn how to stand in the times of great trial and great challenge. If you would please, Luke 21, Luke 21, whatever I give you, whatever verses they were, they're standing firm in the faith, standing firm in an age where it's easy to compromise when things get hard. Many times God is looking for men and women that aren't afraid to stand firm for that which is right and that which is proper, and that which is holy. Jesus writes these words about the ends. He says, you know, before all this, they'll lay hands on you and persecute you. They'll deliver you to the synagogues and prisons. You'll be brought before kings and governors 
all on account of my name. You know, sometimes because you love the name of Jesus, you're going to go through some battles just because of that. This will result in your being witnesses to them. But make up your mind. I like that. This is Jesus speaking. Make up your mind not to worry beforehand how you will defend your... Make up your mind. You're going to stand firm for the things of God. Make up your mind. Fads can come and go. But the clear biblical standards are forever and forever. Make up your mind. Regardless of what the Supreme Court says, you're going to live according to that book. Make up your mind that even if they begin to outlaw this and outlaw that, you will stand for that which is pure and biblically proper and holy. Make up your mind not to worry beforehand how you'll defend yourselves. For I will give you words and wisdom that none of your adversaries will be able to resist or contradict. Isn't that good? See, when God says, if you'll stand for me, I'll give you wisdom. I'll give you grace. If you'll stand, I'll stand with you. See what I'm getting at? God said, you've got to make the choice to stand, but if you'll stand, I'll stand with you. And I'll give you all you need to fight that battle. Hallelujah. Look at that next one. You'll be betrayed even by parents, brothers, relatives, friends. They'll put some of you to death. All men will hate you because of me. Not, but not a hair of your head will perish. In the end, it will be worth it. And look at this last line here. By standing firm, you will gain life. Make up your mind, I'm going to stand for Jesus, regardless of what. Amen? And this is, this is our thought here. This is our thought. 1 Corinthians 16 and 13. 1 Corinthians 16 and 13. Standing firm in God's convictions. Be on your guard. Stand firm in the faith. Now that word in the faith means the proper doctrine of the Bible. It's not talking about the faith of believing, but it's what we believe. Stand firm in the faith. We live in an age where, where, where many churches no longer believe the Bible clearly teaches what it teaches. And then they, they, they've watered things down and they've made excuses for that. But be on your guard and stand firm in the faith. There might come a time when they make it illegal here to preach the whole counsel of God. Where they make it illegal here to live the way God's called us to live. But Jesus said, listen, be on your guard. Stand firm in the faith. Don't be moved from what you know is clearly biblical. It's one thing to have opinions. It's a whole other thing, something that's clearly biblical. Don't be moved from that which is clearly biblical. Be men of courage. It will take courage to stand firm. It will take courage not to go with the... Again, it's a compromising age, folks. People won't always stand with you. It's an age. They'll do about anything to fill out numbers. And there's such a compromise. Be on your guard. Stand firm in the faith. Be men of courage. Be strong. Do everything in love. So you can walk in love and be firm in the faith. You can walk in love and be courageous and not give in to lies and compromises. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. One of my favorite stories, 2 Samuel 23, 2 Samuel 23. Oh, glory to God. Standing firm, standing firm. If you'll stand for God, God will stand with you. If you'll stand for God. Sometimes, you know, you're going to have to choose to stand. It might cost you at times to stand for what's right. Make up your mind, you'll stand for what's right. Amen? Because a lot of times, that's where the compromise comes in. Oh, man. 
I like this. Next to him was Shama, Shama, one of my favorites, Shama, son of Agi, the Herorite. When the Philistines banded together at a place where there was a field full of lentils, Israel's troops fled from them. But Shama took his stand. Everyone else fled, but Shama stood. You know, in this life, you've got to learn sometimes to stand by yourself. You've got to learn sometimes other people are going to flee. Uh, other people are going to, you know, they're excited when it's easy. They're, they're, they're excited when there's no, there's no threat. But when things start to demand courage, when things begin to become a little costly, well, well, then they flee. But Shama took his stand in the middle of the field, He defended it and struck the Philistines down. And the Lord brought about a great victory. Shama stood, but the Lord gave the victory. Uh, He's saying, listen, if you'll stand in faith for what is right, if you'll stand in faith for what is pure, God says, I will stand with you and I will fight for you. But don't ever forget the fact your faith will be challenged. If you want God's best, hell won't just step back and say, here it goes. It'll fight you tooth and nail. You've got to make up your mind. going to put on the whole armor of God and take your stand. Having done all, going to stand. Because often in this context, the standing is the standing for pure doctrine and obedient living. But in such a compromising age, the devil's still playing, let's make a deal. He did that with Jesus, didn't he? If you be the Son of God. You don't got to go through all that. Why suffer? Go ahead. Why be hungry? God wants you happy, doesn't He? He don't ever want you uncomfortable. Go ahead. Just, just tap that, tell that stone to become nice French bread. Nice big loaf of that French bread. Oh, you like that. Go ahead, Jesus. If you're the Son of God, why, 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 why should you have to suffer? In fact, you don't need a cross. Why go through a cross? How can a good God want you to go to a cross? All you got to do is bow down and I'll give you it all. Take the shortcut. See, the devil's always going to say, take the shortcut. The devil's always going to offer you the shortcut. And all you got to do for the shortcut is to deny the truth of God's Word and the truth of God's principles. Wow. David's mighty man, Shammah. The Philistines attacked that field of lentils. All the troops fled, but Shammah stood. Shammah stood and fought, and the Lord gave the victory. And if we stand in the Spirit, if we stand with obedience, Christ-likeness, do we know what we believe? Do we know what we believe? We need to know what we believe so we can stand and not be moved and know why we believe it. God will stand with us, and God will work things for His glory. Men won't always stand with you. They ran on him, didn't they? But he stood. And the most important one stood with him, and that was God. Man won't always stand with you when things get tough. But God will stand with you. And he's the one that holds victory in his hand. Hallelujah. One more, one more. We're looking at wonderful responses of these men and women of faith to when really hell is throwing the kitchen sink at them. They're doing the will of God. They're not... Outside the will of God, bringing trouble on themselves. We've all done that. But they're in the will of God. They're pursuing God's best for their lives. 
But the enemy tries to hinder that and attack that. He doesn't want you being who God's called you to be. He doesn't want you accomplishing what God's called you to accomplish. He doesn't want, they don't want churches to be who the church is supposed to be. He doesn't want families to be. And he'll try to discourage and try to distract and try to get people to settle for something less. But as we go, we face these things. Paul gives us a great example. He praised in the midst of the enemy's harshest attacks. That's a good example. Lord, help me to praise you in the midst of hell's hardest attacks. But then we see Isaiah and Hezekiah, they sought the Lord. They prayed. They cried out to God. They could have got just critical and complaining. Lord, we're living holy. Why are you allowing this heathen king to mock us? Why are you allowing all this to happen? They didn't do that. Instead, they went to God. They cried out to God. God said, man, because, 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 because you sought my face, I'm going to answer you. And I'm going to fight that king. And I'm going to put a hook in his nose. The Assyrians, they, they would take away their prisoners. They'd put hooks in their chest and just drag them away on horses. And God says to the prophet, I'll put a hook in him and I'm going to drag him away. And that's what happens. It's a, real, it's a real neat story to read. All because they prayed. Things happen when you pray. Things don't happen when you don't pray. But then there's also the ability to stand firm. See, God, we quoted earlier, the eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth to strengthen the hearts of someone fully committed. You know, God's looking for people of faith. God is looking for men and women of every generation that'll dare to stand firm for the things of the gospel, that'll dare obey the call of God, that'll dare to be bold for the cause of Christ. Men and women that aren't afraid and aren't ashamed that are willing to do what God's called them to do and believe God and go where God's called them to go. And God says, if I can find that person that will stand firm in the Gospel, even in an age when it's laughed at, even in places where, where it's mocked, but if I can find a man or woman that will stand, I'll stand with them. If they'll stand firm, I'll stand by their side and I'll give them the victory. And we need to learn to stand in this present hour. Because there's a whole lot of compromising going on. But the last one, and we'll finish with this. Not only standing, but continuing. Continuing. One of the things that the, the devil hates, the devil hates, is that when we don't give him a lot of attention. You know, you know we give him a lot of attention. You know, it's like, you know what I mean? You don't give him a lot of attention. We just continue on. We just continue on. Philippians. Go with me to Philippians very quickly. You don't have this one, Jimmy. So, but I want you to see this. Because I just thought this one up. Amen. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. Go to Philippians 1. Philippians 1. Glory to God. Isn't God good to us? Isn't God good to us? Oh, halashatarakai. Hilebishara. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Here we go. Here we go. Philippians 1 and 27. Philippians 1 and 27. Paul says, whatever happens, whatever happens, whatever happens, they'll walk out on you. They lie about you. Whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Then whether I come and see you or only hear about you in my absence, I will know that you stand firm in one spirit, contending as one man for the faith of the gospel. Now look at that next verse. It talks about not, you know, there's power when we walk confidently with God. There's a special power that takes over when we refuse to be afraid and we refuse to allow the devil to mess with us. 
without being frightened in any way by those who oppose you, this is a sign to them that they will be destroyed, but that you will be saved, and that by God. There's the power of continuing on. The power of continuing on. The Bible says Moses endured. He saw him who was invisible. He wasn't afraid of Pharaoh. He wasn't moved by Pharaoh's threats. He just kept moving on and pressing on in God. We have to be a people that are so caught up on God has called us to do. That we're not moved by what this person says and we're not moved by what the enemy says. We're not moved by what our culture says. We are caught up in what Jesus has called us to do. And I think one of the greatest examples we find is from the book of Daniel. The book of Daniel, Daniel 6 and verse 10. Daniel was a man that continued. Daniel was a man that continued. Daniel was a man that served God in the midst of heathen 101 all of his life. But man, he lived in Babylon, but Babylon never lived in him. Can you say amen? Daniel was a man. He lived. He lived around idolatry. He lived around the perversion and all that stuff in Babylon. But man, he lived pure and holy with integrity. Oh, it's wonderful. And they knew then jealousy. You know, jealousy. The world gets jealous. You know that? The world gets, unfortunately, some Christians get jealous, but that's another sermon for another day. But Daniel, some of the other men got jealous because of the blessing of God on his life. When you start to get blessed, people are going to get jealous. And they said, we've got to trip him up. And they said, well, there's only one way we can trip him up is he does a good job. See, he does a good job. Even the heathens say he does a good job. We can't, we can't. He does a good job. The blessing of God's on him. He works good. He, he don't show up late two, two, two days out of every four. He shows up does a good, he's, he's blessed. Hmm. Well, the only way we can trip him up, we've got to do something that interferes with his obedience to his God. The only way we can, only way we can mess this guy up. Amen? I know what we'll do. We said, we're going to talk to the king. Hey, king, all of us governors got together, which was a lie. They didn't include Daniel in the conversation. And we decided that you're such a great king, that you're a god, and we ought to spend a certain amount of time that no one can pray to anybody but you, king. How, how do you like that, king? And, you know, the king's having egos anyhow. And that king said, hey, sounds good to me. That sounds good. And so the king and, and the law, the word got back to Daniel. And look at this. Now, when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, You'd pray to anyone else. You're into the lion's den. But Daniel's going to continue. But don't you know they don't believe that way anywhere? But Daniel's going to continue. Don't you know that they, they, they just call that a fad? Well, fads come and go, but B-I-B-L-E is forever settled in heaven. We just got to continue. There are certain things we can never stop doing. We can never stop praying. We can never stop evangelizing. We can never stop declaring Jesus is the only way to heaven. There are certain things that we just continue. We don't get ugly. We don't get mean. But we got to continue. They're just, just Regardless of what they say, they can change the rules, but they can't change us. Now, when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, he went home to his upstairs room where the windows were open. I like that. Open towards Jerusalem. Amen. And three times a day, he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to God just as he had done before. He continued. He continued. And if you read that story, the heathen testified Daniel, the God whom you serve continually. I think that's pretty good when the heathen testify. You serve your God continually. Amen? We might not serve Him. We might not like Him. But man, you serve Him all the time. And Daniel, Daniel, jealousy rivalry. Daniel chose to stay faithful to God. And God stood with him when the repercussions. But he gets thrown into the lion's den. 
It'll cost us to obey God. It'll cost us to continue on doing what God has called us to do. Well, in the book of Acts, we must obey God rather than man. The same ones that had Jesus crucified. We're now saying, stop it. But they said, we can't stop it. We've been commanded to do it. We've got to continue. We can't help but speak what we've seen and heard. Daniel. His testimony was known. His testimony was tried. His testimony was proven true. He lived a consistent life. He had a confident trust in the Lord his God. And he continued in his devotion. The law changed, but not Daniel. The laws of men can change, but we continue on. I'm just serving God. Can't be moved by all that. Got to seek the Lord. Can't be moved by all that. Got to tell somebody Jesus loves them and he's the only way of salvation. Can't be moved by all that. Got to let them know, no, the devil lied to you. That, that, that's wrong. That's not a right lifestyle. The Lord loves you, but that's wrong. Someone's got to, you got to, you got to keep, continue on, continue on, continue on, walking in love and walking in courage, but continue on. The church, it's so easy to begin to, to get molded a little bit here, molded a little bit there. But in this last day, if we're going to do what God's called us to do, we're going to have to learn to face the opposition that hell throws at us. We're going to have to praise. We're going to have to pray. We're going to have to stand. And we're going to have to continue. We're just doing what God called us to do. I mean, that's old-fashioned. Why are you going to church all the time for? God says don't forsake the assembling of themselves. That's not a fad. That's Bible. There's a difference between a fad. Fads come and go. Isn't that right? Flannel board, that was a fad. You know what I mean? I mean, something come and go. But, but, but thus saith the Lord. Why are you always preaching? There's only one way to salvation. It's in the book. It hadn't changed. Amen? Isn't that right? Yeah. Certain things. We must continue. Amen. And in your life, if you're going to do what God's called you to do, hell will try to hinder you and hell will try to fight you. Make up your mind. It's for you and your house. You're going to serve the Lord. Make up your mind, regardless of what comes your way. You're going to praise Him. You're going to seek His face. You won't be moved from your godly convictions. And you will continue and continue to do what God has called you to do. Father, we thank You for Your Word. We thank You for the wonderful example from the Apostle Paul and how the church of Philippi was founded. We see how He sought you. We see how He endured opposition. We see how He handled things when things didn't turn out the way He thought they would. Lord, help us to learn from Paul's example. Help us to be encouraged by Paul's example. And Lord, help us as we seek You. Help us, Lord, as we do our best to do Your will. Not to be knocked off course. Not to be given in to the frustration but to be a diligent and a devoted people who have made up our mind, we will continue on for the Lord, in the name of the Lord, in Jesus' name. And everyone said, God bless you. Have a great night.